Welcome to the Brand Spanking New Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. Crazy week, I must say. From an all-female brawl breaking out at the Cardinals-White Sox game, to the NFL's all-time leading score finally becoming eligible for Social Security, to former Spurs point guard Tony Parker becoming eligible for the World Series of Poker. We begin the show actually on the green, when last Sunday, legendary golfer Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship at 50 years old, the oldest to ever win a major PGA event. This somewhat put all the young golfers like Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, and Brooks Koepka in their place by reiterating the idea that new is not always better. Just because something is new does not mean that it is great. Remember when Samsung released the Galaxy Note 7 and then everyone suddenly had their pants randomly burst into flames? Or what about when Google thought everyone would jump on the Google Glass bandwagon? What idiots thought that we wanted to look at our Twitter feeds by wearing a gigantic pair of goggles on our faces? Just because something is new does not mean that it's better. Someone who has a daily Metamucil intake winning the PGA Championship epitomizes that statement. Shifting to the NBA playoffs, one of the biggest stories of the week came as COVID-crazy fans in multiple cities broke protocol by violating the safe space between players and spectators. Fans in Utah were escorted out and banned for yelling derogatory comments to John Morant and his parents. A Knicks fan spit on Trey Young while he was inbounding a ball on the sideline. A Celtics fan tried to peg Kyrie Irving in the head with a water bottle. And in Philadelphia, a fan dumped a bucket of popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he was walking to the locker room. After the incidents in the NBA, fans representing multiple professional leagues from both the New York Yankees in baseball, as well as the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, spoke out on the issue, saying, quote, We as fans need to be better. We need to be more vigilant and stronger in our cause. Spitting on someone or throwing popcorn on them is weak. You should try something heavier like live baseballs or full six-packs of Bud Light. That causes far more damage to players than just bags of popcorn. Be better, NBA fans. From a pure basketball standpoint, the biggest story on the hardwood came from Hollywood, as the Lakers and Suns are now even at two games apiece following the Suns' win in L.A. This has been an intense series from the start, with flagrant fouls being tossed out left and right. Tensions were probably the most heated in Game 3 of the series when Suns guard Devin Booker was ejected in the closing minutes by committing a flagrant foul on Dennis Schroeder while he was driving to the hoop. After the game, Anthony Davis spoke out on the malfeasance by saying that those kinds of acts were uncalled for and should not be allowed in the game. While yes, Davis is right, Booker did commit a dirty act while shoving Schroeder in the air, resulting in a flagrant foul and his ejection. However, it's also a little bit hypocritical from Davis, seeing as how his opening act in Game 2 was also a flagrant foul, but this time it was drop-kicking Jay Crowder in the twig and berries. Yes, Booker shouldn't shove a player mid-flight in frustration, but Anthony Davis should also be banned from attempting vasectomies during his jump shot. Regardless, the Lakers are in serious trouble as Davis limped to the locker room following their loss on Sunday. The most interesting playoff series by a landslide also comes out west, but in the lesser-valued Disneyland team, the Los Angeles Clippers. After tanking in the regular season to get to the fourth spot, the Clippers are now in a best-of-three series with the Mavericks, which is a team they surprisingly thought they would coast by. However, Luka Doncic had other plans. This is pure embarrassment for the Clippers if they lose the series, and for the league altogether. You can't tank to get a playoff spot and then lose to the team you wanted to play. It makes you look worse than Skylar White singing Happy Birthday on Breaking Bad. Man, that scene still 
makes me wince in pain every time I think about it. Financially, the Clippers are a disaster and facing what could be the biggest monetary loss for Steve Ballmer in his entire life. Since he bought the Clippers, they have won only four playoff series and are still the only team in league history to never make their conference finals. This comes after Ballmer has spent $2 billion to buy the team, over $400 million to renovate the Lakers' old arena, and is well into the tax penalty for overspending on players who aren't even contributing, like Serge Ibaka or Reggie Jackson. He is paying Luke Kennard $64 million to not even enter the game. Can you imagine giving someone $16 million a year to do nothing? That's worse than Bing. And Ballmer back that too. The Clippers are ironically the Zoom to the Lakers being the iPod. And losing this series to the Mavericks would only add more fuel to the fire just to ship them up by 5 up to Seattle. Speaking of urban cowboys, Dallas Mavericks forward Kristaps Porzingis was fined $50,000 after he violated the NBA rules by attending a club on Sunday after the Mavericks went over the Clippers. After the game, Porzingis tried to play the whole I was just promoting my tequila brand with a famous rapper card. But the NBA said that no foreign white players are actually allowed to drink tequila, nor stand as someone who actually raps. So that has to be false. In the Eastern Conference, the Bucks swept the Heat. The Nets are making quick work of the Celtics. The Sixers are humiliating the Wizards. And New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio lectured Hawks guard Trey Young at a press conference for his unconventional foul-baiting technique used against the Knicks in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. De Blasio ranted at a press conference saying, quote, come on, play the game the right way. See if you can win. I think the Knicks are going to teach you a lesson. Young responded to the New York politicians by directing a statement at Governor Andrew Cuomo saying, quote, come on, stop overstocking your nursing homes by 900%, thus resulting in the death of 57,000 people, and then lying about it on national television. Cuomo surprisingly did not respond to Young's statement, largely because Trey Young is not a female intern sending texts to the governor. Speaking of that beautiful, balding, middle-aged man in his early 20s who was also the lead point guard for the Hawks, a stat leaked this week that Trey Young is third all-time in three-pointers from the logo, or beyond 30 feet from the basket, trailing only Damian Lillard and, of course, Steph Curry. Impressive, sure. He can hoist three-pointers from way beyond the arc. But it should also be noted that Young shoots 34% from beyond the arc, which is 132nd best in the league and trailing high school bus Ben McLemore. Sure, he's made a lot of shots from just inside half court, but when he has the same success rate as Michael Scott does in sexual harassment lawsuits, that's not really a reliable offensive weapon leading your team. To wrap up the most competitive series in the Eastern Conference, the Knicks also made an announcement this past week that if they do beat the Atlanta Hawks in the first round, and by doing so make it to the second round of the playoffs, they will sell tickets exclusively to fans who have received the COVID vaccine. Now, I'm no Warren Buffett, but this does sound like a short-sighted business model to follow. Why would you only allow people who have the vaccine to come watch your games? Wouldn't you rather have the moronic anti-vaxxers in your stands instead? You want dumb people in your seats, not smart ones. These are the fans who probably have a notorious track record with making dumb decisions in their lifetimes, like getting a face tattoo, or saving their breast milk so they can turn it into jewelry, or becoming an independent business owner for a pyramid scheme like doTERRA. They are also the ones who would spend 50 bucks for a plate of nachos and call someone from payday loans to front them the cash so they can buy a $700 retro jacket from the fan store. These are the people you want in your stands, Madison Square Garden, 
Don't shun them away because of the moronic position on vaccines. Welcome them in with their visas armed and ready to go. For the NBA lottery teams, rumor on the street is that Pelicans players are not vibing with first-year coach Stan Van Gundy following a disappointing 31-41 and season. Sources close to the team say that team captain Brandon Ingram is ghosting Van Gundy and also swipe right on coach David Fisdale on Tinder. He's hoping that connection will start a dialogue between the two and the, quote, vibe they have could bring him to New Orleans. For the record, anytime you hear the words vibe, Tinder, and New Orleans in the same sentence, it's usually followed by either syphilis or conjugal visits. Wrapping up Naismith's invention, the NBA handed out a few postseason awards this week. Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz took home sixth man of the year. Knicks forward Julius Randle won most improved player. And Dante DiVincenzo won best ginger of the year. Considering he is the only official redhead in the league, it was an easy pick. Shifting fields of focus to America's true pastime, we are officially on week three of the Tim Tebow saga as OTAs commence this week with head coach Urban Meyer hinting that Tebow could be used in a Taysom Hill-like role, perhaps in the wildcat formation to throw defenses off when he shows up behind the line of scrimmage. This makes no sense at all. Aesthetically or statistically, Hill's numbers last season as a starter for the Saints, 73% completion rate, almost 8 yards per attempt, and a QBR of 58. The last year Tebow was a full-time NFL starter, and let me remind you, this was also when Elizabeth Taylor was still alive. Tebow had a 46.5 completion percentage, barely 6 yards in attempt, and a QB rating of 25. To say that Tebow would be a good Taysom Hill-esque option in the Wildcat formation makes no sense at all. He's not even an NFL caliber athlete anymore, and certainly not qualified to be a quarterback option for the Jags. That's like me saying Steven Seagal would be a great casting option to pair alongside Will Ferrell for the sequel to The Other Guys. First off, Seagal is not a good actor. He's not even actually an actor at all. He's literally a black belt who got a lucky break in the 80s. But then, to cast him in a movie alongside funny man legend Ron Burgundy? I know people do crazy things, but Seagal as a comedian is about as comparable as Tebow in the Wildcat formation in Jacksonville. Meyer just has to rip this bandaid off so Tebow can go back to his regularly scheduled programming of analyzing college football for the SEC Network and talking to teenagers at local Christian summer camps about the perils of losing their virginity. Those are the things he excels at. Down on the other end of the state, Miami Dolphins sophomore quarterback Tua Tagovailoa admitted to reporters this week that he didn't know the playbook really well last year. Outrageous, of course that a highly coveted first-round draft pick struggled with picking up an NFL playbook. Not shocking that an Alabama graduate had a hard time with both study habits and reading comprehension. Tennis star Naomi Osaka stated that she won't speak to the media covering the French Open, citing mental health concerns. Good for her. The media are a carnivorous bunch of soul-suckers who have turned the world against each other just for the sake of advertising dollars. If she doesn't want to talk to the pinheads from the foreign press about a terrible performance at the French Open, she has every right to do so. Yes, the people questioning her are also in the same circles as the mafia which led to the death of Princess Diana, so I have no problem with Naomi Osaka refusing to talk to them and pleading the fifth during their interrogation. And finally, Houston Astro fans were livid with Padre star Fernando Tatis after he had a monster home run in Houston and just stared at the ball flying into the stands. This, again, is a no-no in baseball's inner circles, as you shouldn't just marvel at your greatness. Astro fans threw tantrums saying that Tatis should respect the game. 
Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Astros fans telling players to respect the game is like Ellen DeGeneres telling someone to give to charity. It's hard to hold someone to a standard when you don't have any at all. That's just the epitome of the Houston Astros organization. So what do we learn this week? Well, we learned that Anthony Davis is habitually hurt. Wait, what am I saying? We didn't learn that. It's a common fact. We've known that since day one. We learned that the Clippers are to Microsoft as the Lakers are to Apple, and that deep down inside, none of us ever use Bing to search for things on the internet. We learned that Tim Tebow still cannot throw a football. Again, not news. Don't know why we're repeating this. But most importantly, we learned that even if you watch Murder, She Wrote reruns in your spare time and actually think that leaving voicemails is an effective way to communicate, you can still win a major golf championship, no matter how old you are. That's our show. I definitely will be back next week. Unlike the Miami Heat. Cancun on three. <laughs>